Coast to Coast Combat Hour, Ed Carvajal with Matt Hawkins as always, and this is the one after Bellator 222. Matt, so your boy's back for one final run. I, I, you were the first person I thought about when I heard they announced uh, Fedor Emelianenko returning back to for his farewell tour. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd get a reaction out of you uh, since, uh, you know, that's your favorite guy on the whole planet universe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was unexpected. I didn't know what, uh, what he was going to end up doing, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I just hope they do it right. Uh, give him a proper send off. I don't know who he's going to fight. Uh, I know Coker was talking about doing it in different locations where he's never been before. So that adds a little bit of a interesting thing to it, considering that he's been in most of the, you know, locations around the United States. He's obviously already been to Japan in his career. He's obviously, you know, so um, I'm not sure exactly what that means unless they're planning on him fighting in, like, you know, Dotham, Alabama or something like that. But, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, But, uh, yeah, I I don't know. It's Fedor. Uh, If he wants to fight, he's in the right to fight. And uh, there are certain fights I wouldn't take if I was him. uh, But, you know, obviously he's not going to back down from anything that Bellator yeah, him, him and Josh Barnett is one I know they're interested in. And uh, I'm trying to think, like, you know, uh, with uh, Mitrion and Karatanov on that uh, August 24th card in Connecticut, um, you know, they know that the uh, the Russian fighters draw in, the, in, in this region because that's still kind of like the – even though that's super north, that's north-northeast, um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they tried – they only announced Mitrion and Karatanov too, so I wouldn't be surprised if they try to – load that up uh being that it's the first uh um event in an arena in Connecticut you know not in a re- not on a reservation perhaps i i don't know if uh i don't know um i feel like that fedor if you know if it's him and barnett certainly that's going to be a main event mm. uh, so i that would be the only thing that would throw me off there you know i just try to think about who he's going to fight so if he's got three more fights left you know, I, they talk Rampage, but Rampage has always said he's never wanted he'll he never wanted to fight Fedor and doesn't have any real plans to. So that one seems odd. I would the Barnett's one of the fights I wouldn't do if I were Fedor. Um, I think it's a tough fight for him now, and I feel like uh, Barnett dropped the ball on the opportunity to be able to fight him uh, by testing positive for steroids and getting their previous bout canceled. Um, yeah. So that you know, I, I kind of hold a grudge against Barnett for that. So I don't know if uh, if that's a fight I would uh, reward uh, Barnett with without him having to grind out a couple other wins, perhaps. But uh, I don't know. Um, I know Bigfoot Silva is probably a free agent out there somewhere. Probably somebody would, uh, that uh, Fedor would like to get another shot at. What about Jake Hager? <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I, no, I mean, I feel like it should be an older guy that, that's paid oh, yeah, some dues. Yeah. And, and, and I know you're joking, but you never know really uh i don't know maybe another shot at mitrione if mitrione beats karatanov maybe he wants uh you know a chance at him again uh i you know but it's hard to say uh and who's gonna end up falling out of the ufc in the next you know six to 12 months that that could potentially be a uh you know if arlovsky for instance gets cut by the ufc is that do they do they revisit that fight um 
stuff like that. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, I, I saw we've had Yuri Thompson on the show a couple times just to talk about the fights, and he made a, a interesting thing about how Bellator's had some shows in like uh, in Italy and around Rome and stuff, and if they were, you know, I, you know, Coker kind of joked about doing it, or I don't know if he joked, but he kind of talked about doing a, an event in the Roman Coliseum. And mm, uh, if you were going to do, cool. you know, if you're going to do a, a real retirement fight for fate, or maybe you, uh, maybe you pull him and, and uh, Bigfoot or him and, you know, I don't know, Marius Podzinski or something like the world's strongest man from KSW. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe you get some crazy fight like that and you put it in the Roman Coliseum or something, which would be an interesting one. So, you know, in theory, you could do like Rome and then, you know, Japan and, and Moscow or something is what I think in my mind when I think of him uh, doing a farewell tour. If Assuming he's done in the United States, uh, I feel like he still owes San Jose a show considering that's where the initial oh, yeah. Mitrion fight was canceled. So maybe you look to maybe maybe early next year you do re, you do Mitrion Fedor too and, and you bring it back to San Jose to give the fans there the, the fight that, yeah, that was Coker kind of likes, from them. Yeah, Coker likes doing stuff in San Jose too, so that's actually probably the, a great idea. But um I mean we gotta see if it's him and Mitrion we obviously the the August twenty fourth bout's gotta happen first. Um before they start trying to sell Mitrion a, a fight, you know he's got to fight. He's got to get a W, a solid W, not not a ball kick and W, over uh, over Karatonov, you know, because yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's, I, that's I, just I, a do over from from the last time. I don't think that would be the first fight of of the. Let's say if say Fader's doing three fights, I don't think that would be the first. That would be my second or my third, you know, fight that to do with him. The first one I'd give him, especially coming off that tough loss to Bader, I'd try to give him somebody considered a little bit easier um and again i can't think off the top of my head uh but uh somebody maybe not who's as huge of a puncher try to get fade or a win to get rolling on this and then and then see what happens um but like i said it's uh it's great i hope he does another fight around me i'd love to watch him compete one more time uh, especially kind of wash the taste of the the bador fight out of my mouth but uh <laughs> you know out yeah. of my memory but other than that, you know, I mean, he's one of the all-time greats. He's going to be an all-time great, and uh, good for him, man. Good for Bellator, yeah. and, uh, you know, well, good for him all around, really. Well, speaking of all-time greats, uh, Bellator 222 is probably the their best event they've done here in the East Coast region. Obviously, um, you know, with uh, Chael retiring and, and uh, you know, Gracie's went one for one on the entire card. I mean, it was stacked from top to bottom. I mean, if, if you didn't watch it, I mean, the uh, all the prelims are actually still on YouTube if you want to watch the undercard. Um, I mean, some great fights there. Um, I mean, obviously, there's there's stars that were they were trying to build, and then uh, stars were born when you look at some of the guys that won versus some of the guys that lost. So I don't know. Where do you want to start, man? Because there's so many good fights on the card. What was the fights uh, that stood out to you? Well, I mean, if we're just going to start down at the prelims, uh, uh, Hobson Gracie Jr. moving yeah. to two and zero. I believe he's the son of Hoist Gracie. Um, I believe, about ninety nine percent sure. So he moves to two and zero. Obviously, Mike Kimball picked up another win and a decision. Yeah, uh, and that was big for him. Uh, one fight yeah. that really stood out for me was Lindsey Van Zant. I feel like she pulled off kind of an upset over uh, Rena Cabuto. Oh yeah, coming yeah. over from Ryzen. Uh, I don't think many people expected that. 
and, and certainly didn't expect a, a finish four minutes into the fight by, by submission. Yeah, man. Uh, actually, that, that interview is up on her post-fight uh, scrum is on the Blogboard Jungle YouTube channel. So if, if no one has seen it, uh, they should check that out. I wrote about it over at SureDog because I was covering the event for them. Um, yeah, man, uh, she uh, she was definitely one of the people that uh, uh, when we were watching it, we were all just like shocked at not only the fact that it was a first round finish, but how I don't want to say easily. Uh, she actually admitted that uh, standing with Kabuto was a, was a, a big mistake if she tried to stand with her. So which is why she took her down so quickly. I mean, I know Rena's uh, background is uh, in striking, so uh, she definitely had a reach advantage on her, too. So super smart thing to do and and uh when that choke was in man boy was it in it was probably one of the deepest chokes of the night uh um i was just like uh shocked uh that happened right i was i was watching it from the back because we were talking to um i think Hayam Ghazali was just before her where he had that triangle choke finish yeah yeah and and then um so that was another first round finish too. So there was obviously a lot, a lot of fights that stood out on that. But that one's the most. I hope they uh, use her again. Um, you know, she she normally fights at 105 too. But um, in the article, I, I said I I hope that uh, maybe they send her over to uh, to Ryzen since obviously she's got a, a a win over one of their guys and Coker Legs doing this uh, you know Bellator versus Ryzen thing or at least for one fight. He he did say they were going to send a few fighters over there in in October. So. Um, yeah, man. I mean, that, that was definitely one that stood out to me as well. And then you mentioned the Hobson Gracie. I mean, that, that arm bar, ooh, he bent that dude's arm the other way. I f- felt that in my elbow watching that fight. <laughs> yeah, uh, Van Zant moves to 6-1 and one, uh, and, uh, and on a three-fight win streak. So, yeah, uh, and, and if you say she normally fights at 105, that would fit perfectly into to Ryzen and, and uh, any matches that or any swaps that the two promotions can do is obviously uh, awesome. And, and, you know, maybe the, I don't know if Rena wants to fight again or not. She, I know she was kind of down out after the, the bout, yeah. um, but, uh, but you never know. Maybe they do it, run it back again in, in Japan. So uh, then, then uh, that fat match was uh, followed by a, a fight that I think was way more competitive than a lot of people expected uh, with Valerie yeah. Lareda. Yeah. And, uh, Larkin dash. Uh, <laughs> Dash showed some grit. I know she moves to 0-2 as a professional, but uh, you can't really blame her heart. She stood in there and, and uh, you know, she went she, – she wasn't super active late in the fight, but she kept coming forward and, 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 and forced, was, forced yeah. Lareda to, to fight. And she wasn't uh, gassed either, which, was, which I thought was cool to see. Uh, she said she was already fu- uh, preparing for a fight when they called her. That, you know, she, was, she was one of the last-minute – fighters that they picked up to add to the card to get so to get Lareda on the card and have someone fight her. Um like you said, more competitive than um than uh a lot of people anticipated and that was because she actually has more amateur experience than Lareda, which Lareda knew about. Um she's another I interviewed her on Media Week, uh, both of them actually. Um both those interviews are on SureDog and the YouTube channel. If folks want to check it out. But um Lareda, with the short time she had, she did have she did do homework on her, and it looks like she didn't do what she said she was going to do during the interview, which she knew she was a southpaw, so she said she was going to circle to circle uh, away from her left to avoid her power hand. But 
I think we saw her go that into it a lot of times in that fight, especially towards the end when she caught her with that that haymaker that landed. Uh, she stumbled back from it, and she also had this weird like she threw a punch, she would throw a punch and catch Lareda's hand, and she kind of like whipped her into her power hand. I don't know if you saw it. It happened a couple of times during the fight, uh-huh. and um, I, that's that's kind of what helped her land that that shot that knocked her back. So it looks like Dash had some sort of game plan that that sort of worked for her, but not enough to win. But um, like you said, man, that was definitely one that was exciting. Yeah, yeah, I think she was just – it was close. I mean, it was – one judge, I think, had it 29-28. The other two had it 30-27. But uh, the third round, Dash didn't really fire much off. She kind of kept pushing forward but really, really didn't unload with anything. So it made it pretty easy for the judges. But uh, – yeah. It'd be interesting to see what Lareda goes from here. Uh, you know, she's obviously going to at some point have to face a little bit stiffer competition, but she is only two and zero. Uh, and if anything, the next fight teaches us that we shouldn't push these uh, up and coming fighters. Uh, as we saw uh, Aaron Pico fall again by knockout. Yeah. Uh, you know, fighting a twelve and zero coming into the fight, Adam Borish. Uh, Pico came in four and two. And uh, his first fight tech- loss technically wasn't a knockout, but he was dropped and then choked out. And then he suffered the, the devastating KO to, to Henry Corrales. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he falls, you know, like I said, he takes his third loss, uh, flying knee KO after basically dominating the first uh, round and a half of the fight with his wrestling. Yeah. Um, at least controlling the fight. Not, not, it was, there wasn't a lot of ground and pound. There, um, there wasn't a lot of damage done. But he was doing what I would have told him to do, basically. I, and I think I even may have said on the show that uh, I would have just tried to grind a guy out, win a decision, make the crowd boo, make it boring, but get your opponent afraid of the knockout punch. Um, unfortunately, he has a tendency to run into big shots, it seems. Yeah, I mean, the game plan they had, obviously, you know, he that's his first fight after switching over to uh... – to Jackson Wink. Um, so the game plan they had was obviously solid, uh, you know, with uh, with the advantages he was having, trying to grind out a victory. But um, again, you know, twelve and zero. I mean, it's 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 uh, two thirds more experience than he has. You know what I mean? And and it was just uh, when I, uh, I I was surprised they didn't get as many views as uh, as I I would hope. But uh, maybe maybe after the fact. But I talked to uh, his opponent. On a media day, Adam Borix, and he um he even said like like uh you know I've I've planned for so he he planned for all the variables that that he would have thought Pico presented, including his strength in his boxing and his wrestling. And he actually said to me, if he takes me down, I'm just I'm gonna get up, and he did. You know, like granted Pico was holding him for down for a while, but he still you know got over to the cage, used it to get it back back up to his feet, and um. Obviously, uh, once he started tracking how Pika was going for for his takedowns, he was able to have him run right into his knee and get the get the knockout. But um, yeah, man, it was definitely uh one. It's one of those things where, um, and I actually uh, asked earlier. James Lynch likes to do his recaps uh, Mondays on on the score, so I had asked him, you know, if if he thought that uh, um, you know, what was next for Pico, and he, and he he said something. That I agree with that he just needs to take time off, you know, like just uh, if if he's gonna keep on and Bellator's gonna keep investing in him, which which Coker said that they would, 
uh, he just needs some time to like sit back, reassess and evaluate, and maybe maybe start taking some fights against guys that aren't like double his record. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he just needs to take some time off to let his brain heal a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he's young, so I, I mean, if it were me, I would tell him to take about two years off. I don't <laughs> know if that's what Lynch. I mean, you still train. Maybe do some grappling tournaments. Maybe do some submission underground. Maybe do, you know, something else. Maybe focus on some kind of wrestling tournament or something just to keep competition. But, uh, you know, if he goes – I mean, if he if he turns around and signs something to fight in three or four months and gets KO'd again, he's done. He goes to four and four. He's I mean, just because we know he's talented, we can't treat him anybody, anybody different. Any other fighter that goes, that goes out there and gets blasted – KO'd, you know, four out of eight fights, we're going to sit here and we're going to say they shouldn't be fighting. You know? Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, well, we it's like that, like Hasaki Kato, I used to say he's got a 100%, 100% knockout rate. Either he's going to knock someone out or he's going to get knocked out. And you you don't want another one of those. Yeah, but he was a little older and, and I mean, we, nobody expected Hasaki Kato to be, you know, people were ex- thinking Aaron Pico was going to be the next, you know, John Jones, basically. Uh, for for a lighter division, and uh, mm. I mean I, that's at least the hype that was around him. You know, people talked about him being, you know, an amazing wrestler with Golden Gloves boxing. And after his first loss, he obviously fired off uh, four wins in a row after that, but and showed it. But it was against the the weaker competition, and you know, I wouldn't have given him the uh, I wouldn't have given him this fight. I think it was too much coming off of a huge knockout loss uh, where he got leveled. Um, I don't know. I maybe maybe a change of pace. Maybe you send him to Ryzen. You know, I, there's some competition out there that's that's a little bit less. Um, and maybe you let him go out there and, and get some, you know, just kind of get away from the U.S. and and the yeah. U.S. crowds and let him go out there and, and and try to get a win or two or I don't know. But right now, I I, I think it's best that he stays away for a while and and. Uh, and lets his brain heal. I, I I just feel like we're going to be dealing, you know, we don't know where the brain injuries are going to lead to eventually with all these guys. Yeah. Uh, now with MMA really picking up. And when you see a guy who's what, 20, was he 22, 23 years old? 22. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to see somebody stumbling around, not being able to think when they're 26. Yeah. You know? That's and, true. That's and, true. And that's the one thing I worry about. I don't know how hard his training is. I, I'm, you know, I know he's been in good camp, so I don't think they're abusing him. But, you know, I don't know what kind of shots he took in his golden gloves coming up. I'm not real aware of that, but just a lot of brain trauma for a guy that we thought was mainly a wrestler. And when you think about that, you don't think about those guys getting KO'd so much. Uh, It it would I mean, it would have surprised me a lot less if you told me he got caught in a couple, you know, arm bars or a couple of triangle chokes as a wrestler. You thought maybe he'd slip into something like that, but just to be getting hit hard and, and dropped is surprising, but uh, obviously a big win for Borix um, goes to 13 and 0 and moves up their, their food chain. Uh, Heather Hardy was a disappointment. She got taken down by uh, Taylor Turner and ground and pounded and had no zero defense. Uh, yeah. She made uh she made some pretty bad mistakes that, uh, I mean, it's her first fight back, and and she admittedly uh, wanted to impose her her you know she wanted to impose her her striking and thought she could uh, do what she did in, in her first uh, 
know, the two wins that she does have. So now she's now she's two and two. Um, you know, at thirty seven. Um, you know, I from folks I talk to on on her management side uh, say that they they she might. Well, well, I'll say that they want her to go back to to boxing and try to get. But obviously, we know how boxing is and how they treat her. Um, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if she insists on getting another fight in a cage just because of the way she is about, uh, you know, she's not somebody that sits in a loss. If anything, it, it, it makes her want to fight, do the same thing over again. And, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised, especially losing in New York. She probably doesn't want that to be her last MMA fight. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see her in MMA again, be, even though I've heard otherwise from, from other folks. But, uh, yeah, she uh, – I know they had, Turner was a uh, you know I didn't even promote her opponent that much, but I knew she was on a two fight win streak, and when they faced off, I mean I saw when I saw the reach advantage, I thought maybe her boxing could you know help her uh, you know use her angles and stuff to to get in close, but uh, you know I I, um, I actually said to uh, Jason Burgos who was with me from Shrewsbury Dog, I said uh, you know this is as soon as the, when the takedown happened. And she put up the opposite need is to to stop the mount when it should have been the same side. I was kind of like, oh no, this is this is like reminiscent of uh, the first UFC with when uh, you know Art Jimerson was uh, on his back. Um, the only thing I'll say is that uh, Turner Turner all those that ground and pound she mounted her and threw punches they, they didn't look like they were doing much. It just looked annoying. And uh, Heather Hardy was actually fine. You know the ref stopped it because of the time in the, in the position. And uh, I guess she was taking damage if, if you're looking at someone getting punched and someone throwing punches. But, you know, she didn't tap out. her. She didn't quit. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, the ref saw enough. I, I honestly wish they would have let the round go, you know. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. New York, had, New York, especially Madison Square Garden, with the history they have of, of you know, brain trauma there, uh, they had to play it safe. Yeah, I mean... You can't get fully mounted, even if shots are not real hard landing. If the, you know, it, it was obvious she had no chance of getting out. I mean, I think that that's what it was more. She wasn't attempting any kind of escapes. She didn't seem to know anything. And and this is not to bash Hardy. She's a she's a badass. I mean, she's twenty two and zero as a professional boxer, and she's trying something different here in MMA. Mm-hmm. I I put it more on Scott Coker perhaps on on the matchups. And maybe they need to know that she's never going to necessarily be the Bellator world champion. I mean, she's not beating Elimelay McFarlane anytime in the next hundred years. No, and she's admittedly knows that too. So, I mean, with that said, let's use her as, as kind of a spectacle and put her in with girls that are going to stand in front of her. I mean, well, I think I mean, that it, that's, that's what yeah. it's going to be. I hear you, man. I mean, I mean, I think uh, what we're looking at when we're looking at the like, – like there the are prospects that they – or the fighters that they try to market, the Pico, the Hardy – um, you know, anyone else that, that they, they, they try to make a, a star, um, they need to match them with people with more closer overall fight records, with wins and losses, like at least keep the number somewhat even so that the, the fight is more even, you know, um, I, 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 that was my thing with, uh, that's my thing with Aaron Pico. And, um, I, I mean, so now she's Taryn Turner had eight fights total. Versus Hardy's three before last Friday, you know it's like you know I know she's a world boxing champion, but you not you pick somebody that had five more fights than her, and that was probably like you know 
a whole foot taller than her and longer. So I don't know. I mean, I I I don't I, not for nothing. I actually one of the fights that I pitched uh, afterward was like, if you're gonna get her back in there, how about her and Valerie Laredo? They're both strikers. They both have a young record, you know, and and um, they're probably the same as far as grappling. Um, Lareda had nice uh, scrambles, you know. I think Heather Hardy can get her scrambles if she keeps training up uh, with Longo and Sarah and them in, in Long Island. She can get her scrambles up to par. Um, but both two strikers uh, and Hardy's got a kickboxing background too. She's got some some uh, amateur titles, so she like you know like that that would be a great fight. I think it would go all three rounds and it and it'd be a, a barn burner. But um, you know we got to see what happens from from here. I mean the way because of Hardy's uh, seniority in combat sports as a, as a whole and uh, the fact that she's a champion in boxing and she's got titles she probably has to defend. And like I said, I know folks on her side would would prefer to see her go back to boxing. But, I mean, if if we've learned anything about Heather Hardy, she's she's not somebody that likes to stay, stay hit, so to speak. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw her back there. But that's a fight, man. I mean, I think that's a fight that people would pay money to see, Lareda versus Hardy. No, that's a good matchup. Um, another one that would be a good matchup in theory, although she has a lot more experience, would be that I think Bellator just signed Beck Rollins, and mm. she's the BKFC, Bare Knuckle Fighting Championship, uh, uh, female champion. Uh, would she wrestle Hardy down in an MMA match? I don't know. She does have some wrestling abilities. But in theory, if you told me that the BK, the bare knuckle fighting boxing champion was going to come to Bellator and and stand with Heather Hardy, that could be a potentially a, a fun fight. But it, it would be a mismatch record wise, yeah, experience wise. So who knows? But um, there was a few more prelims that they they squeezed in because the fights were going quick. But basically, the main card so... kicked off. <laughs> you know, yeah. What were you gonna say? I know. I said yeah. They went so quick. They were so fast. Like I literally. <laughs> It was literally like as soon as fighters were walking out, I already heard the music for the next guy coming in. It was super fast in the garden. Because there was no post limbs, right? They managed to squeeze all the prelims in. All of them went in the order of, that they were listed. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. When you get the when they get the three post limb bouts to to fit in before the the thing. That's that's good for the crowd though. That means the fights are going and 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 things are happening. So that's great. And then and then that set it up for for an exciting main card. Uh, which kicked off with the fight that we talked a lot about, and uh, I believe I picked correctly and you picked incorrectly. Uh, Kyoji Horiguchi uh, becomes the the bantamweight uh, Bellator yeah. champion and Ryzen yeah. champion, uh, defeating Darian Caldwell by decision, four rounds to one. Uh, kind of surprised I, though by the fight. Yeah, I mean I'm not gonna lie, I don't. I mean I I understand why the decision went the way that it did, but. I still, I was just like, you know, he, I, I, I just, uh, I feel like Caldwell, I know he was visibly exhausted. Um, I know I, I saw the scorecard. Uh, I think Doug Crosby was one of the judges, but uh, it was unanimous decision anyway, so that doesn't even matter. But um, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of don't felt... tell, don't tell me you thought Caldwell won the fight. No, no, I, I just, uh, I didn't think it was unanimous, you know, because of the, because of the takedowns and control. And, and then the first round, the, the first round, I mean, I wasn't the only one. I mean, you can check Twitter. You can, I mean, folks in the arena were like, what are they standing them up for? Like, you know, cause Caldwell was, 
Caldwell was hitting him. This is the first take that I'm talking about. Caldwell was landing elbows and hitting him and um, keeping him there. I, I understand after that that wasn't so much the case, but I saw active fighters and no need for the stand-up. Well, that was because of the glove grab, though, right? Oh, yeah. There were, I mean, that's what they said. I honestly didn't see it because from where I was sitting, I couldn't see it. Um, someone had to point that out to me. But then after the fact, I mean, does that mean does that mean like you stop grabbing gloves and throwing elbows? So if I had any, if it was if if I had any criticism, it was Caldwell didn't stay as busy as he had said he would uh, leading up to the fight. You know, I spoke to him three times total, uh, including the 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 interview that's on this podcast from last week's episode, um, and that was his plan was to take him down and just rain elbows and. And you know, knee him and strike him, all everything he could. But um, I don't know if it was the the you know being in the garden and 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 the fans that were there and and everything. But um, obviously Horiguchi's used to that versus uh you know Caldwell you know fighting in Japan, fighting the UFC, and uh that 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 little dude, <laughs> the 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 champ champ the new champ champ he's definitely uh he's definitely got a lot of energy because he's he seemed ready to go some more even at three o'clock in the morning when we were when we were around wrapping things up that night yeah no uh the first round i mean caldwell won the first round i think every judge gave it to him. i didn't see the scorecards i'm assuming the judges gave him the first round and caldwell no. rightfully should they didn't give well which round did they give caldwell then because he no. certainly shouldn't have won two through five i mean it's a i mean I, i'd have to look at the i know they sent it to me i'd have to look up the email but uh it's a unit i mean unanimous decision means that everybody scored for her gucci uh in no. total towards a fight, right? I mean, well, yeah, but well, it was five rounds, so yeah, I'd have one, to look one at judge the... had it three two, and then the other two judges had it four rounds to one. And I assume that all three judges gave the first round to Caldwell. Um, I mean, there was rounds where Caldwell took him down and didn't even like land a punch. I mean, he threw maybe like he had. I think it was like the second or third round. He took him down and and I think he threw maybe like five punches. Um, you know, and and I just don't think. Uh, I was glad they didn't reward that. Um, so, I mean, I think the right guy won the fight. I think we saw a situation where the better MMA fighter is just Horiguchi. Uh, and I just think that that's, that's just the truth. And uh, I mean, I, I, I got the scorecard up here. So the first round, all three judges gave to Caldwell. Like, like that's where I was. One judge gave Caldwell the first two rounds, and then obviously everyone else is uh, after okay, that. Yeah, it's all, I'm looking it's at it right now, now, too. That's accurate, then. I mean, I think that's mm -hmm. accurate how it should have went. Um, obviously, the live is different, and when you see the wrestling taking place, but the bottom line is that there was very, very little striking from Caldwell. I'd like to see the the the, the strike count. I, I should have looked that up, too. But um, I just think Horaguchi's – I mean, the man's 28-2. and two. Uh, now with his uh, and he's on a what a 13 fight winning streak now. I mean, there is just <laughs> nothing nothing bad to say about the guy. I, oh yeah, uh, he's got to be. Like, they need to make T-shirts for him on both promotions and make them for sale immediately. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he uh, so that he, you can buy them. <laughs> yeah, he suffered an early loss, you know, seven or eight fights into his career, and then you know, in the last like 23 fights of his career, his only loss is to Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, which is saying uh, a lot. <laughs> which, yeah, and, and doesn't mean anything, really, as far as saying what you are as a fighter, yeah. um, which is what you're saying. But I, I don't know. Uh, I 
I mean, the guy's just amazing. He's become one of my favorite fighters. Um, and I'm not a fan of the lightweights or the smaller guys. I've told you that uh, several times in the past. That, uh, But I think he's what you get. And, I, and I'm not a big Demetrius Johnson fan. I know a lot of people are. Mm-hmm. But my biggest beef with Demetrius Johnson was what seemed like his fear to go up and fight bigger guys. And Horiguchi is exactly what I'd want to have for my guys in any weight class. He's willing to go up and fight. <laughs> yeah, He's willing yeah. to go up and fight anybody. Yeah, and the yeah. same can be said right now for Henry Cejudo. And I joked yeah, about and, it, but and he, he, they both want to fight each other too. I mean, I said it, I said <laughs> it online the other day and you know, I don't know if it's the number one fight I'd want to see, but Horiguchi uh, Sahudo would be one of the top three fights in MMA right now to go down. Oh yeah, you know. Yeah. I mean, that I would... mean, if, if UFC was to stop being a bunch of jerks and and do one cross promotional fight, that would be the one to do. But the thing is, I honestly feel like they don't want to risk. I mean, Bellator doesn't care because it's you know the contract is that he still has to defend that title at least once a year. So it's they kind of sort of have like on uh you know. Uh, they have a they have a rising fighter under contract, you know what I mean? Like he's sort of under contract with them because of that, you know, in 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 the, the in a light handed way or however you want to put it, and because of that, look at right after that, I mean the the uh, 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 Juan Archuleta um, called him out immediately after that, and uh, he already wants to go there and fight him, hit, go over there and fight him for the rising title in October. So it's like they just opened the the door for this really cool way to. Make the sport awesome, and um, Horiguchi. I I don't. He's obviously he wants to fight everybody too. I mean, he even said, you know, Sehudo said it leading up to his his fight at uh, two thirty eight. And then um, if you watch, uh, he did an interview with Helwani in the in the lobby there of the of the Hulu theater, and um, he was just like, yeah, I want Sehudo. I want them all. And I was just like, man, this guy, come on, man. Like this sport, the sport has to eventually. You know, catch, in that sense, they need to catch up to boxing and let let these title holders fight each other. Yeah, I mean, the the UFC is just never going to let their title. I mean, if there even if there ever was a cross promotional matches, I don't think we'd ever see UFC belts on the line. Let's just put it that way. They might do yeah. some kind of non-title stuff. Bullshit. That's bullshit. Yeah, I mean, it it is what it is, and and at least the Bellator and Ryzen are doing this, and like you said. uh, I mean, Archuleta gets a huge knockout win over Eduardo Dantes. Oh. Uh, I mean, moving he moves to twenty three and one. I mean, you're starting to see some some records out of some of these guys, which yeah. is which is awesome to see because it, you didn't you just don't see it in MMA. You don't see a lot of twenty eight and twos. You know, yeah. you got Khabib in UFC, and I mean that was the whole thing about Fedor and his legacy is that when you'd look at his record, oh, yeah. you see he was like thirty one and one and thirty two. His prime, yeah, man, that was like. I mean, and you didn't see that. You'd look at the other heavyweights in MMA. You'd look at Randy Couture, and he was like 17 and 9. You know, you'd see stuff like that, and it would always – that's what made him stand out. So when you got Horiguchi at 28 and 2, I mean, just looking at it on paper, and then you see Archuleta at 23 and 1, and, and with just devastating knockouts in two out of his last three fights um, over Robbie Peralta and, and uh, Eduardo Dantes here. and um the idea of, I mean, I, I think I said it at the beginning of this year was this year's New Year's gift that I'd like to see Ryzen really take off and bring back Japanese MMA, and um, Horiguchi might be the guy that does that for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't aware of the the 13 year history 
Sakaki Barra and Coker had, uh, you know, they talked about it during the week. Um, they uh, Sakaki Barra did a, uh, a a quick little media scrum on on the Wednesday before the event, and talked about how how he, he and Coker helped each other out, uh, uh, you know, um, way back when. Um, and um, this is kind of like uh, for Ryzen's growth. This is Coker kind of, or or rather, he helped Coker out. So this is Coker returning the favor, and it looks like it's just helped. They're both winning off of this thing. I mean, people can people been all all over this horror horror Gucci thing, and um, I I just um I think that uh, if you look at horror Gucci holding those two belts, man, that huge ass Ryzen belt. <laughs> if you look at it, look. I mean, I I wouldn't mind seeing. You remember back in the day, and this is boxing stuff from back in the day. Uh, I wish we had poor old Daniel Zaldivar on the podcast to talk about it, but. I mean, when when Roy Jones was king of the middleweights, uh, he he had to walk in the ring holding his belts with another guy holding the other belts that he had. You know what I mean? And uh, I think those are the true world champions that that you know, like if you somebody holds a title in the promotion, you call them a world champion. But it's like, are they if they're not fighting the best guy? You know, the best guy in the other top promotions. You know what I mean? Like like, I don't know, man. I mean, I I really do hope that uh, I think we're gonna see it. When you and I are old, Matt, in the old folks' home, <laughs> we'll probably be be streaming a pay per view, you know, with some little plug in thing in, in our head, like some Black Mirror shit, and uh, and uh, watching watching uh, watching the the champion of the universe MMA fights. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I, right now, right now, there's just there's just too much greed, and mm-hmm. you know, or. You know, when you talk about the 125 pound fighters, then we know that there's Demetrius Johnson, there's Horiguchi, and there's Cejudo. Those are the three, without question, top 120 to, you know, 133 pound fighters in the world. And, uh, and the fact that. No no striking vipers, though. No, (laughs) but the fact that they're in three different organizations now is, is, is weird. Um, but I don't know. Maybe Coker can work something out with one, and uh, and get them on board with Ryzen, and 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 maybe this starts to work around. But you know, like I said, we got Archuleta now. Um, I mean, you got some legitimate, and Archuleta could be a, eventually become a two division champion at at one twenty five or one thirty five and one forty five. I He's mean, basically the number one contender at both weight classes at this point. In yeah, in, you know, I mean, maybe not. Maybe not at quite the number one contender at 145, but he definitely is at 135 now, and, and uh, he's right there. Yeah. And what about? I mean, I'm go go. You look at. I mean, Caldwell and Horiguchi fought at bantamweight, and obviously Archuleta. Archuleta was is. No one doesn't mind going down, to, dropping the 10 pounds, and facing Horiguchi. Maybe they do a catchweight something. Who knows? But um, the fight after that, uh, Patrick Mix, he took out Ricky Bandejas, which um. You know Patrick Mix is is now eleven and zero, and um, kind of came in under the radar. Super soft-spoken guy, but I remember when I did talk to him, one of the things he said was like, you know, you're gonna see, and and uh, you know that that choke that he sunk in fast in the first round was, uh, I mean, it was those short work for him in the garden. Yeah, it was unexpected. We both talked about how we didn't know a lot about him, and we both picked Ben Dayhouse to win, mm. uh, kind of based on bigger show experience, but. Uh... Obviously, that was wrong, and he surprised Van Dejas, took his back, you know, seconds into the first round. 
Yeah. Finish him. Um, he must actually, actually, Nolan King, that's been on this podcast, he picked that fight to me. He knew actually did know a lot about Patrick Mix, and uh, so when I talked to him that night because he was there with MMA Junkie, shout out to Nolan King, full time at MMA Junkie. Um, <clears throat> he uh, he actually called that. He was like, you know, he's like, wait till you see Patrick Mix, and uh, he was right. Yeah, no, it was a big surprise, and uh, he, like I said, he moves to eleven and zero now, and and becomes a, a potential another contender. I mean, the Bellator, uh, you know, bantamweight and, and featherweight classes are really, really, really picking up here. Um, you know, we didn't really talk about before, but Dylan Danis picked up another win. Uh, he moves to two and zero against Max Humphrey. Total mismatch. The greatest fighter ever to walk in the cage, Mexican fighter. Yeah. Ever to grace a cage? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't. I can't imagine people are actually tuning in to watch him. I know we see some of the Twitter crowd and stuff like that, but <laughs> I mean, for him to be that high up on the card is debunked the break the Drake curse. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> whatever. The guy, the guy is, you know, he's talented. I don't know. I'd like. I, I mean, eventually he's gonna get smashed, so maybe that's what everybody will, will look forward to seeing. Well, that's what folks are going to tune in for. I mean, he's he's doing the Mayweather thing that McGregor all McGregor. All, I mean, dare I say, Chael Son, and uh, you know, he's using the formula to, to sell hate hate me and watch me as long as you pay. You know. Well, there you go, leading to Chael Son, and he <laughs> uh, <laughs> he got knocked out with a uh, with a knee too against Lyoto Machida in the second round after eating one in the first round and oh. barely surviving. Um, I don't know if. Uh, from home you could hear how hard that knee hit but literally like in the arena you heard it like especially the second one that was uh those were hard knees yeah machida i mean pretty much just had him uh son couldn't just couldn't put a game plan together and you know it was it was son he showed uh you know i I get on his case for tapping early and stuff and and i don't want to you know, that's just a fan's perspective, but obviously he fought through some stuff in that first round and showed a lot of heart. And then yeah. the second round, uh, second round, the ref stopped it just based off of a uh, combination of damage. But he, uh, he claims to retire from the sport now, um, which means I fully expect to see him sign with Combate Americas and never have a rematch <laughs> with Tito Ortiz sometime I, in the next I don't six think months. <laughs> I doubt that happens. Oh, I mean, uh, Tito's been signed with Combate. I mean, God bless. Happy birthday to Campbell McLaren, by the way. Today's birthday. Um, but uh, I think, um, I, I mean, we haven't heard about a fight. We, The rumor was against uh, Alberto Del Rio, but now we haven't heard anything. I mean, I, I, there's an event on Friday, actually, the one in Hidalgo, uh, the Combate event. And I hope they make an announcement regarding Tito then because, obviously, you know, you made a big deal about his contract saying you got to you got to say something. But I don't see Chael going to, to Combate to fight over there. Probably if anything, not. I mean, I'm joking, but uh, if they offer him Tito in in Mexico City or something like that, I could see Sonnen doing it. Um, probably lack that, of that's one. I know I know he'd like to get back, though. So, yeah, that's, never... that's what I mean. Um, but either way, I mean, he wraps up his career. He's had a lot of ups and downs and uh, I haven't always been a huge fan of his, but. I've seen him fight obviously plenty of times and uh I got a I have a really good op-ed piece in the pipe. I don't know if Sure Dog's going to fucking publish it. Any point I submitted it on Sunday. It's uh here we are on Tuesday going into Wednesday. 
But if they if they publish it, man, I mean, it, it's an op-ed piece about uh, the, what made me write it is how how I became a fan of the guy. I mean, I was a mark. You know, I, I, I hated him, obviously, when everyone else hated him before I realized, oh, shit, this is this is the game. This is uh, this is why I'm watching. He, he's doing this to make me watch. You know, well, it's got to be better than the garbage I've read the last couple of days coming out of uh, was Kevin Ioli and friggin. Uh, oh, Eli- yeah. Elias Cepeda, two of the biggest hacks in the in all of <laughs> MMA media. I'll straight say it. Just two guys who just write yeah. pure garbage on a uh, a weekly basis, uh, bashing him, calling him a racist, uh, just just straight garbage stuff that you you know, just garbage. Yeah, the, I know the, he's not. A, I mean, as as much as I, and I like Elias. He's you know fellow jujitsu guy and stuff like that. But uh, when I read that, I was kind of like, yo, did you not get what was what was going on there? Like, I mean, uh, uh, I, I, uh, Chael Sonnen is, is far from racist just because no, of the, the stuff he said. Yeah. He's just a straight garbage writer who writes stuff to try to get clicks. <laughs> he's always done it. Why isn't he calling out Conor McGregor? Call out Conor McGregor for racism. He did the exact same thing. But yeah. He won't do it because then it'll it, it might impede on him getting any kind of credentials or getting around these guys. So, oh, yeah. I mean, we, we know Yahoo's a, our shills for the ufc yeah, yeah. i mean this is a, it's 100 percent shill work he he works for the you know the the underground uh a shill forum uh it, <laughs> it's 100 percent shill work i just yeah. I, these articles that come out when guys retire have the balls to do it before where you might have to face the guy face to face you know like when you're in there doing interviews and stuff you know don't don't come out after they retire and start calling him the biggest cheat of all time we all know sonnen's history he doesn't even hide it no, so that's what that's, yeah. You know, anybody you talk to behind the scenes, which these guys should be doing, that no Chael Sonnen on a personal level will tell you he's one of the best guys they know. I've I've ran into his personal friends at restaurants just out of the blue when I go to fights um, that are there to watch him, and they they all they can say is great stuff about how he's great to their kids and uh, just you know, a great family man and all this stuff. So. As I mean, and I'm defending the guy who I'm not even a big fan of. I, I've been just as critical of Sonnen as a competitor, um, and his and his failed drug tests. And you know, I'm not a fan of any of that stuff. But I'm not going to sit here in his retirement uh, after he goes out on his shield against an all-time great in Leonardo Machida and and sit here and bash the guy. Um, yeah. You know, especially guys at that level of this uh, media. You know. We we're sitting here down here trying to grind away, do this stuff. Those guys have the special opportunity to get out to a lot of voices and a lot of uh, you know eyes and ears, and and they spend the time writing that garbage. So, um, again, yeah. uh, just 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 garbage. And, and I hope uh, one day that those guys uh, lose the ability to get to anybody's uh, ear or eyes. So that that <laughs> that's my rant. Wow. <laughs> no, I know we we sit here and read garbage all the time, and and. It's the one thing, you know, everybody wants to be Stephen A. Smith on basketball or something, but even even he's got a little bit more character than than some of these these nobodies. So um, then that brings us to the main event. though. Yeah. Uh, Thanks thanks for that, Matt Smith. I appreciate it. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm with you there. But go ahead. Go ahead. You're you're going on to the main. Yeah, no, I got to get through the show now. Uh, Get ripped too much. But uh, main event. uh, uh, Walter White Grand Prix semifinal and Walter White uh, World Title fight. Rory McDonald, Neiman Gracie, uh, another fight where my my pick. Uh, now maybe Cepeda's and all these 
I only guys are better at picking fights than me, but uh, it still doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. We did pick Neiman Gracie. We were completely wrong. Rory McDonald looked like old, old Rory McDonald and, uh, and put a whooping on Gracie and, and, and looked good in a ton of different aspects in the fight. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was just crazy. I mean, that, that's one thing that, uh, you know, I, I haven't talked to my training partner since I covered the event, but you know, one thing that, yeah, that, uh, if you have a good defense, man, you could, you could hang in there. And that's, that's pretty much when I grapple, I mean, you know, you can, if I get tapped enough in something, uh, I make sure that you're not able to tap me in it, you know, again, or for a long time. And, um, all the, as close as some of those submissions came, I mean, the knee bar, um, the arm bar, uh, all the stuff that, I mean, you went in there with, with a high level dude in, in, in jujitsu and you shut down all of his stuff, uh, you know, that he had. And, um, I mean, questioning Rory before that, obviously we were concerned. I had Neiman, I picked Neiman to win. I mean, you, you, not only were they fighting in his backyard, but you know, he seemed more focused than, uh, Rory just because of the stuff with the Fitch, uh, John Fitch situation, um, who weighed in just as a backup that so which shows that the, even the promotion might've been worried but um, yeah, man. No, Roy McDonald's obviously champ. He likes being champ, and he's gonna uh, look to defend that belt. I know they want to do uh, September October for uh, him in Lima. Um, but Rory flat out said in the post fight press conference he's not interested in that timetable. He prefers November December. Um, I mean, I I would hope that the champ has some say in when when uh when that happens. I know it's a tournament, but it's also for his belt. And um, I think that would be a nice way to close out the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure exactly when they'll do it. Uh, I know Bellator's had – I feel like it's going to be on the West Coast. I don't know why. I just yeah. feel like the finals likely will be here on the West Coast, especially yeah. if it runs later into the year. Uh, September has been a fairly popular time for them to have a few events in San Jose. So yeah. uh, well, that might that know, might pair nicely with a, with a Fedor fight. Um, and they just... they want to do it along in line with it because as as that's coming to a close, I don't know if you saw. I, I uploaded the press conference um, yesterday, so if you haven't seen it, you can see uh, Coker says. I mean, he says September October, and uh, obviously they, they'd like to close out this tournament before they start the featherweight one. But um, I mean, yeah, I, I would see that happening out out your way. Yeah, so I mean, maybe the end of September. I mean, maybe there could be something reached. That's still a few months away. He didn't take much damage in this fight. Um, he really didn't take much damage in, in either of the last two fights. He just didn't look himself in the, in the Fitch fight. Uh, like you said, as far as his grappling, he just seemed like he was always one step ahead of Gracie. Gracie got a couple, you know, got a couple shots at a knee bar. One time had it fairly tight, uh, and then had an arm bar attempt and stuff that he probably catches an Ed Ruth or a, a less experienced guy in. And it just seemed like Rory was you know, that, that one chess move ahead where yeah. he, he knew the move, you know, he was able to, to make his move to defend it as it was ha- happening, as opposed to getting it locked on and then trying to fight out of it, which is, is not necessarily a, a successful way to, to defend jiu-jitsu. Obviously you never want yeah. to lock the hold on. You always want to <laughs> one, one move ahead of him. So, the you knee, know, the, the knee bar, especially I thought was, was, I thought that was going to be it, but, uh, I mean that 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 goes to show you. That, I mean that you know Rory's just a, a different breed of them. That's why he's he's a champion. Um, but um, uh, you know the other thing that uh, a lot of folks don't know. Rory said uh, the interview is up. Um, 
it's on Sure Dog and on the YouTube channel where he says he he's he's come out to train at Henzo's in New York before. So who knows how much of of uh, you know sometimes a lot of people a lot of people in the same you know training space will share the same technique. So who knows how much of how much uh, he was aware of what Gracie would be bringing at him, uh, which probably helped him in that fight because uh, obviously and then and then as the rounds went on, obviously it was a five round fight. Uh, Sweat would definitely help escape those other submissions. That's why I thought the knee bar was the best of of uh, the ones we were watching. Yeah, I mean, and and I think a lot of people, and I'll be one to probably say me too, kind of slept on his ground game a little bit. We've gotten so used to him and being in in brawls, and then we saw the Fitch fight. You know, looking back at his record, his his previous fights before Fitch, which Fitch just does what he does. He fitches everybody and gets them in where he wants them, and he's just super successful. But we had Musasi, Lima, Daly, Stephen Thompson, Robbie Lawler, Tarek Safadine, um, Tyrone, Tyrone Woodley. You have to get all the way back to Damian Maya before you had a fight where he was probably thought that it was going to be a ground fight. Uh, and, and, and that was all the way back at UFC 170. And even before that, you got Lawler and Ellenberger and, you know, so you, you're, you're dealing with a, a guy who's really hasn't, this is the first fight where we thought he was going to be up against a, a, a ground specialist, uh, with submit serious submission skills. Whereas, whereas Fitch just kind of controls you. And, uh, I, I think we just, we learned that not everybody's John Fitch, obviously. So you can't, it's not as easy to get the takedown and, and Rory is obviously uh, a lot better at, at submission defense than than we gave him credit uh, by Gracie yeah. going into the fight. So that's just that. Uh, gosh, we were going to get into some other stuff. Uh, running a little long here with my little rant there. But this weekend we got the <laughs> uh, the bare knuckle fighting championship, the big Polly Malinaji versus Artem Lobel fight. Uh, Tampa, Florida. Uh, Saturday night pay-per-view fight TV and uh, however else you may be able to find it to watch it. Uh, interesting fight. Uh, at least because of their, uh, their bad blood. Uh, I, I'm curious to see, we had the rumors about gloves and stuff. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. What they're going to be. Know, I yeah. think, I think about the old UFC events, you know, this kind of reminds me of one of those where you didn't know what was going to happen. You know, kind of going up to the event. Was it going to get canceled? Was it going to be a last minute change? Was, you know, is, is, are they going to walk in and tell Malinaji it's 100% bare knuckle and he's going to back out? I mean, is, are they going to put boxing gloves on him and Lobov's going to say what the, what the hell is going on? I mean, I don't know. Uh, so that, that is a little interest. It would be nice to know if they were going to have, since people are buying this, it would be nice to know if it's going to be bare knuckle or if mm-hmm. somehow we're going to walk in there and they're going to have balloons on their hands. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I just I... you're you're closing them out. Yeah, I mean you're on a roll tonight, man. <laughs> well, you're... I mean we we yeah. talked about it. So we, la- the one of the things we knew is that Florida wasn't real happy about the idea of bare knuckle, and then they started Florida. Florida. <laughs> what did I say? Yeah, no, no. I'm just saying Florida. It's it's Florida. Florida's Florida. So maybe they just changed their mind. Maybe they, they, yeah. But whatever. So, anyways, I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be if it goes down as it should, it should be fireworks. I think Malinaji will light him up. But uh, I think it'll be fun to watch. So I mean, you know, uh, the folks at at over at Frontproof Media, you know, they're they're boxing guys. They're in the boxing space. And uh, when I talk to them, actually, 
the guy that runs that site, Joseph Correa, is supposed to be shooting some photo for the, for uh, the event. So uh, they'll probably be posting some stuff on Instagram soon, since that's their favorite outlet to post things. But uh, uh, <laughs> they called him uh, Malinaji from the boxing space. Apparently, he's got a reputation for having brittle hands. So um, whatever they're wearing, I'm sure Malinaji's all for it. And uh, did you see the photos of, of his workout for this event, the way he was throwing punches? No. Uh, yeah, there's one like this if you're if you're looking at the screen. Uh, yeah, so he's, he's <laughs> kind of punching limp wrist a little bit. I mean, I I honestly don't know. I I know I know like boxers like to do do uh, fluidity and be loose, but I mean I I didn't learn striking from a, a boxing background. I did it all through martial arts, and you know we were always told to keep a tight fist, even if even you can keep a tight fist and stay loose, but um. I mean, every, everyone's got their own, own own method and and you know way of getting at it. And uh, again, Malinaji's fought at the level of boxings that that you know that that obviously you or I would never get to, even if we tried. But um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, what I said to uh, Correa that's shooting the, the the event, talking to him about it today, I said uh, I wouldn't be surprised if 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 they do bare knuckle the way that uh, it's intended. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets a handbrake in the first round if, if that's the reputation he has the term used was feather fisted which i've never heard but i guess that perhaps means... i just it's i mean i can't i can't pick against malinaji considering that this is still somewhat of a boxing bout yeah and, and like you said he was he's a world-class world champion at one point yeah the idea of him not being able to win a fight i feel like it's going to be his defense that's going to be the, his advantage uh that he'll, <laughs> he he won't get hit and yeah. that's always the thing in boxing is, is, you know, the guys who win well, are the guys who don't get hit, not necessarily the guys who hit the other guy. Yeah, and um, the the only thing that that I I mean, if he's training in a, in a traditional boxing ring, I wonder if that messes with his footwork, considering that the the BKFC circular ring, uh, you know, obviously space is taken away, and if that'll affect the the way his footwork uh works. But again, I mean, like you said, I mean, he's he's uh, you know. They don't call it the sweet science because, uh, you know, it's it's just people throwing haymakers at each other. So, yeah, I mean, and, and in, in bare knuckle, I'm assuming he's talking to some people. You're obviously not supposed to throw with with everything because you got to protect your hands. So I feel yeah. like if he kind of uses his movement and he kind of picks Lobov apart, uh, it, it should be a win for him. Uh, although the sport is obviously more brutal and, and a little bit unexpected. Also on the card, Chris Lieben. Mm. Uh, Joey, Joey Beltron and, uh, and Joe Riggs for the MMA fans. Um, so that's so Saturday night. Lieben's, right? uh, he's fighting Dakota, Dakota Cochran. Who's, uh, I know he's fought in Bellator, but he was supposed to fight. Uh, who was he supposed to fight? Lieben was supposed, was supposed to... to fight Brendan Ward initially. Brendan Ward. Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> and Cochran is coming off of a bare knuckle win knockout over Johnny Hendricks as a late mm. replacement as well in, in the other organization that, that went under and, and didn't pay people. So, um, so it'll be an interesting fight. Lieben's two and O and just seems to be a, a, he's got heavy hands, always has had heavy hands. And, uh, so this is, it seems like it's kind of his thing. Uh, they do also have the, the lightweight tournament final between uh, Reggie Barnett jr. And Johnny Bedford. Uh, both of those guys have done extremely well. In, in the bare knuckle scene in, in the smaller weight class. Um, and Joy Beltron who's just an all around savage. Um, he's facing Jamie Campbell. So uh, 
yeah, it'll be fun. That's you know, Saturday is a loaded day. Uh, we're not going to get too deep into these cards, uh, <laughs> but also we have the UFC uh, makes its first trip to South Carolina uh, for Hanato Mocano uh, versus Korean Zombie Chan Sun Jun. Uh, fun main event. Yeah. Not the deepest card of all time. Also, uh, guys like John Lineker, though, are on it. Brian Barberina, uh, Andrea KGB Lee, uh, Ashley Yoder, um, some familiar names. Uh, uh, Luis Pena, uh, Violent Bob Ross. Uh, he's got an interesting fight because he's fighting uh, Matt Wyman, who's coming back after several years uh, to return to the UFC, kind of fight out of nowhere. So uh, we will be talking more about that card uh after the event on next Tuesday, we look to have uh, John Lucas, the fight doctor from South Carolina, who will be working medicals for the show. Uh, he'll be doing medicals at the weigh-in starting on Friday morning. So we look for any inside information from him or any kind of, uh, uh, you know, behind the scenes medical stuff that, uh, that me or you would really know nothing about. And I'm curious to see the experience working with the UFC as opposed to the King of the Cage or, or, or some other regional local uh, boxing shows. Um, so that's UFC. That, that main card starts at 4 p.m. Eastern time. That's on ESPN Plus, uh, Ed's, uh, Ed's favorite channel. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of, uh, another one of our favorite channels now is DAZN, which uh, raised its prices too, uh, which I'm not a huge fan of. But for some reason, they're tape delaying the Bellator event. It is Bellator London, so it is uh, it is Bellator 223. So it is a numbered event. That's headlined by Hafiel Lovato Jr. going after Gegard Musashi's uh, middleweight bout. Uh, really good fight, one we were supposed F- to have. FYI, it's Rafael. He hates when people call him Rafael. Well, that's <laughs> that's his fault. But uh, <laughs> we'll call him Rafael then. Um, but, uh, but he's the only Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy that Oh, you're in a bad mood tonight, Matt. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But uh, anyways, uh, Musashi's going to crush him, so he won't get his name called after that fight anyway. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, I, I think Musashi smashes him. Um, too good of a mixed martial artist. Uh, 53 career bouts versus nine. And, and I think Musashi's one of the top. Uh, you know, 10, 15 pound per pound, pound for pound fighters uh, in all of MMA. So I'm not sure about a start time for that. Obviously, uh, for, I'm seeing that DAZN's showing that on tape delay, which is weird. I, I don't really understand that. Um, yeah, I mean, that uh, will be one we'll just have to figure out as it comes. I, I have it 2.30 p.m. my time, but I mean, that could be the actual event. I don't know about broadcast time. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing, 2.30 Eastern, um, but that seems fairly, unless it's just tape delayed like an hour or two, um, that seems like more like the start time for the event. So, uh, Also on that card, Paul Daly, James Gallagher, uh, <laughs> Melvin Manhoff, uh, some good, exciting fighters. Paul Daly's fighting Eric Silva, which is actually a really good uh, potential firework yeah. fight. So. Yeah. We'll be looking forward to recap those though next week. Uh, we uh, we had a lot to talk about about Bellator 222, Fedor's return, and, and a rant here or there. But um... <laughs> there on the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, anyways, uh, fans can always follow us at Combat Hour on Twitter. Uh, catch me at MMA Hawk 21 on Twitter and and Instagram. 
You can catch Ed at Carbazal on Twitter, at Carbeerzal on Instagram. Uh, look forward to a lot of action, Ed. I'll be talking to you about watching these fights on Saturday and uh, and seeing what we're going to be talking about next week. All right, cool. Don't hurt him, Hammer. All right. <laughs> Hey guys, Ed here, East Coast side of the Coast to Coast Combat Hour podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure you subscribe on YouTube and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, if you'd like to help us out and donate, uh, the support links are in any of the uh, podcast descriptions and in some, the links are also provided on our YouTube channel, The Blogboard Jungle. Um, thanks again for listening. And if you give us some support, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast, maybe... Uh, bring you on for a UFC pay-per-view breakdown or two. Thanks again.